Hello, beloved. Welcome to another mini-sode episode of the podcast, My Strength and My Shield. My name is Nisi, and this is Volume 4, Great Expectations. So, it's been a while. (laughs) If you've been listening to this podcast and you've stuck around so that you knew that I was putting out a new episode, thank you so much for sticking with me. Whether you're a person who's been listening to this podcast for a while or you just randomly decided to check it out, I am so grateful that you're tuning in today. For those of you who don't know, I did take a mini hiatus from the podcast. I made a couple of posts on the Instagram, which is my strength and my shield, all one word, just explaining that I needed to take some time to focus on my mental health, to focus on getting back to feeling like myself. So I pray that in my hiatus that you were still focusing on you and and doing all the things you needed to do so that you can feel okay. But if you're like me who hit a little bit of a stumbling block, I'm hoping that sharing some of my testimony will help you to navigate when you're kind of in a funk. And that's where I was. I was in a funk. And I am going to talk about that a little bit more. But first, I definitely wanted to uh, do a couple of announcements just so that you guys know where I am. So I do intend on getting back to my regular schedule of two podcasts a month. Now, I say back to my schedule because I know that that was my anticipated schedule and that every so often I would hit two podcasts a month, but sometimes it'd be three weeks in between. Sometimes I'd do it one week after another. I'm going to aim to get back onto schedule with the podcast, number one, because even in my absence, so many of you have been so supportive and encouraging giving me kind words through the Instagram, still listening to some of the back episodes. And the last time I checked the podcast, we actually had hit 200 ratings and comments on iTunes, which was a goal that I had that I talked about on the last episode before I took my hiatus. So I'm thankful so much for you guys for still tuning in, still hanging in with me, and still being there to be encouraging and supportive. I pray that that still continues. Like if you're excited to have me back and you're excited to at least get more into these conversations about spiritual care and self-care, you know, you can head over to iTunes, leave me a comment, leave me a rating. But even more than that, you can also shoot me an email at strengthenshieldpodcast at gmail.com and just share with me some of the struggles or if you can relate to anything that I'm talking about today. There's a broad spectrum of things that I want to talk about, but it's so important for me to get back on schedule with the podcast because like I will talk about a little bit further on in this episode, there are certain things that I had to get back into the habit of doing so that I could feel like myself. The problem when I hit my funk is that I was in this cloud where I had days when I didn't feel like myself, where I had days where I didn't know who myself was. And I think a lot of that is attributed to some of the changes that are going on in my life. And I think a lot of times um, what I attribute to being anxious or feeling in this kind of dark place, it's really God calling me to stop to pause and to refocus. And some of that anxious energy that I was feeling is really God telling me to get prepared and to get ready for those changes. So I want to talk about that. I want to go a little bit deeper into some of the things that I was struggling with, but I don't want to start on such a negative note because I am genuinely happy to be here. Like if any of you have dealt with anxiety or depression and you get into a season where things seem dark and you finally start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, that's where I am right now. In fact, I'm through that light and I'm back to feeling like myself, which is why I'm here and ready to continue to talk to you guys. Okay. 
The other thing is, um, with this episode, I'm not putting out my typical worksheet, but if you go to www.mystrengthandmyshield.com, you'll see all of the other episodes that I've done, and also you have all of the worksheets that I typically make for each episode that include the self-care tips, the Bible verses we discuss, and any other relevant information. So as I'm getting back into the rhythm of recording, and yes, I am a little bit rusty, and I may or may not have started and restarted recording about 15 different times, but as we're preparing to get back into those seasons of intense Bible study and reflection and self-care, um, you can go ahead and look at some of the old episodes. We have talked about so many different topics. We've talked about sex and marriage. We've talked about life and love. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about depression and anxiety. We've talked about um, all of the things that are, are not just about my own life, because my whole goal with this podcast is not really to just talk about myself, but to share information that I think would be relevant and helpful to whoever's tuning in. And I really hope that this episode, this mini episode, is going to be a part of that same spirit of me sharing for the benefit of other people and continuing that conversation. The last announcement that I'll make is that the next episode, which I will be putting out this Sunday, it's called um, When the Problem is You. Um, and the whole point of that episode, it really is a self-reflective title. Like the purpose of that episode is not just to, to, to criticize you, but to take a critical look at the ways that we get in our own way. Um, it may not be called that exact title, but the whole focus, um, it's really been put on my spirit to talk about when we get in our own way, when we get in the way of our own blessings, where we end up being the stumbling block that causes us to be stuck. I think there's a lot of times where we think that the universe is against us or God isn't listening. And especially when you get to a certain age, I've talked about this in the past, becoming an adult is really just about holding yourself accountable. You are the only person that's responsible for your happiness. So it's hard when you grow up because when you're a kid or when you're a teenager or even when you're in college in those early 20s, you still depend on your parents or you still depend on other adults or society to create a structure. So why so many people hit their quote unquote quarter life crisis or that moment where they're approaching their 30s and they're starting to freak out, it's because it really dawns on you that the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life it all comes down to you and it's a heavy burden, but I think the way that you navigate going forward is being reflective and recognizing when you get in your own way, when you get into your own head, when you become the thing that's weighing you down. So that's the next episode. I'm really excited to record it and put it out and get back on schedule. So without further ado, I am going to get into those more of the topics that I wanted to talk about today, but I'm never going to do a full episode without going into prayer. So if you could just close your eyes and extend your spirit in my direction or just, you know, listen to this prayer and meditate over it, that's what we're going to do right now. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your infinite wisdom and power and your ability to speak to our spirits no matter where we are. So many of us have things that are going on in our life and we feel like we're alone. And I thank you for the relationship we get to build with you so that we remember that we're never alone. Dear Lord, I pray that as we listen to this podcast episode and I record this episode, that we create a spiritual connection because you tell us that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there. 
So I pray that as we're listening to this podcast and this podcast is playing, whether it's through a car speaker or through someone's headphones or through someone's computer, that we remind ourselves that you waste no time, that even when we're passively listening to a podcast, you're doing a change in us, a shift in us. You are changing things, changing expectations, changing opportunities. You are working on our behalf. I thank you for reminding us that you waste no time, that there's never going to be a time that we're just waiting for our blessing or waiting for you to do something. Because even when we feel it, you're working. So we have to remind ourselves to get to work. And a part of that reminder is also remembering that essential part of work is rest. It is so important that we rest, that you have given us the blueprint for life, that the benefit of having a relationship with you is that you give us a spiritual conviction and you give us the Bible as a means by which to organize our life. And a part of that is rest, that you are an infinite God, infinite and powerful, and you still prioritize rest. So the audacity of us to think that we can keep going without stopping and reflecting is what is causing us to be depleted and exhausted. So I pray that as we move forward with this podcast episode with a spirit of energy and excitement and a readiness to have a change in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're new to this podcast, the mini-sode is a little bit less structured than the normal episodes. The normal episodes have three separate parts. The first part is the Bible study. The second part is the spiritual care. And the last part is when I answer questions that have been sent in to me. And the purpose of this mini-sode is it's really just a more informal conversation, an opportunity for me to catch you guys up on some of the work that I've been doing spiritually without it having to be encumbered by a specific structure. So I've prayed about things and there are certain things that are on my spirit that I want to talk to you about. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is just the value of rest. I shared that I needed to take a little bit of a hiatus and the reason why I felt that way is because I had hit a moment where I, the best way that I can explain it is that I hit probably one of the lowest points of my life, just emotionally. And it's hard to explain. Um, maybe if you're a person that's dealt with anxiety or depression before, you can understand. And if you haven't, you might not be able to understand what I'm talking about. But there's this way that when you struggle with your thoughts and your anxiety, that even when things are going great, you still don't feel okay. So the day that I had this really dark episode, I'm going to call it an episode, is it actually was after one of the best arraignment shifts that I've ever had in my job. Um, as many of you know, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I have to work sometimes nights and weekends because in Brooklyn, criminal court is open um, at night as well. So I had this really great shift. Um, I had someone who wasn't even my client come up to me and talk about how great I was as an attorney. No bail was set on my clients, which meant that I was able to make sure no one was sent to Rikers. And... I was a little bit tired, but I got out earlier than usual. Usually I get out at 1, but that night I was the early person, so I got off at around 11.30, 11.45. So I was in a really good place, and, you know, things are going so well with my relationship. You know, preparing for the, um, for the wedding has been amazing. Living life has been good, and I just had this moment of just pure darkness. Like, 
I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. A lot of it is because even though I'm really good at my job, I do not feel fulfilled. And I am in the process of praying about those next steps, preparing for those next steps. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to leave my job tomorrow or in a couple of months or in a couple of years. I don't know. I really am trusting on God to lead those steps and order those steps for me. But it's a really hard thing when so much of my identity has been wrapped in being a criminal defense attorney in terms of being a trial attorney. I feel so empowered. I feel so comfortable when I'm in the courtroom. And the idea of leaving that job has been hard. And a lot of it comes down to because my job is extremely stressful. Um, even today as I'm recording, I had another arraignment shift. And in that shift, I had to deal with, um, now that I'm picking up more serious cases, all of my cases today were assault cases. Like felony assault cases with a lot of blood, a lot of stitches. You know, one of my clients got stabbed in the chest. One of my clients is a domestic violence case, and she's actually the one that's a victim of abuse. It's just... It's a lot. And I thank God for the wherewithal and the passion to do this job. And I'm also thankful to God for the people who are able to do this job, the therapists, the social workers, the criminal defense attorneys, the um, public defenders, all of the people that do the, the brunt work that society needs and they get underpaid. They're, they're not valued. The teachers, the nurses, the people that come home exhausted because they've been serving others. I thank God for the energy that people like us have. But I also know that I'm in this place where if my goal is to have a healthy and sustainable marriage and to go forward and to become a mother, I not only have to manage my stress because of how it affects me, but I know that I'm going to have to be with the creation of this home that God is trying to bless me with. I have to be able to manage the stress of the home as well. I know what it's like to grow up watching your mother struggle and to now be at 30 wondering, am I going to have to have that same cycle of struggle and stress? I am ready to break certain generational issues. I'm ready to have a healthy marriage. I'm ready to have a healthy body. I'm ready to be able to devote time to my kids and not compromise who I am or not compromise my career. So there are all those things that are like, you know, I'm getting married at this point. It's six months away like six months and 10 days. Like it's just, actually six months and eight days. It's right around the corner. And the thing about being in a space to be preparing for marriage is it creates this artificial deadline where it's like, well, at least for me. Um, and I am speaking for myself, you know, I'm not the bride that's been planning on being married my entire life and it's so easy. My partner is amazing and it's just falling into place. My partner is amazing and I'm so grateful that things are falling into place. The problem a lot of times is me. I'm still dealing with the anxiety of what if. I'm still dealing with, you know, today could be amazing. What happens to tomorrow? And I'm dealing with learning how to trust God. And I think in that moment where I had that darkness, I, all these people were complimenting me on my work and I just felt so empty. I don't know if other people can relate to that, but it's like, you know... <sighs> Yes, I'm doing this job and I'm great, but I feel like there's more. There's more I should be doing, more that I can do. And there's also more aspects to my life that I want to invest in, the ministry work that I'm doing, um, the podcast. There's so many different ways that I want to continue to reach out to black women and to form these connections. And also, I want to invest in my relationship. I'm realizing that the older I get, the less I care about my career. 
Is that a terrible thing to say out loud? <laughs> I'm sitting here with my, you know, my bachelor's degree and, and my Juris Doctor degree and all these things that I've been working my entire life for. And now that I have it, I'm like, yo, what I want to do is work a job that doesn't deplete me so that I can do some of the other stuff that I love so that I can travel, so that I can be present in my family and in my relationships. And the kind of job that I have is so stressful. There's other people who have this job and they make these huge sacrifices. They sacrifice, they wait three or four years to have kids and not saying that that's a bad thing, but I'm in a place where I believe that God is preparing me for those next steps. My fiance and I plan on trying to get married immediately after we get married. As soon as the wedding night comes, you know, that's gonna be, you know, first time, you know? Man and wife, I'm going to know my husband. <laughs> you know, that is the time that I've been waiting for and praying for. And in addition to the fun of being married, there's work to do. We, we've had extensive conversations about what would you do if our kid came out like this? What would you do if this we met this challenge? We're actively preparing. It's not enough to just say we want to be married. God is preparing me. But what I've also realized is the value of rest in that season of work. Like, I can no longer tell myself I'll get some rest this weekend. I can't do it. So there are certain changes I've even made in my job. There's changes I've made because I no longer want to sacrifice in the name of a career. I just don't. I'm sorry. That might not sound great. You know, I don't want to make it sound like the reason is because I'm getting married that I don't care about my career. What I'm saying is I've always been an overachiever. I've always got the best grades. The way that I helped my mom you know, because I grew up and my mom was sick when I was younger. She had a stroke. The way that I felt like I could help my mom was by getting good grades and being a good kid and, and, and working myself up because I knew that if I didn't have a need for her, then she wouldn't have stress. So from a kid, I was taking on stress so that my mom wouldn't be stressed. And I have this way of absorbing stress and thinking that it's normal. And I'm done with having stress as my normal. I'm done with it. So that day when I was, it's a very stressful job, like dealing with anxiety and is its own thing. But when you deal with people who are poor and indigent and disenfranchised and black men and black women, you have all these clients that are like, you know, I have clients that fall asleep on a park bench and they wake up to a police officer's gun in their face. Like it's real stuff. And it's exhausting. I'm thankful for the years that I've been able to give to this job. But I also know that in order for me to thrive, I have to make some changes. I think there's a way that as a black woman, I'm expected to be a beast of burden. I'm expected to endure. I'm expected to just, to just do and give and just be there and to keep my mouth shut and to just do the work. There's this expectation that because I'm smart, I have to use that smarts in, the, in a way that benefits other people. And I don't often stop and think, how can I be? I'm an educated, intelligent woman. Use some of that wisdom to pour back into myself. And that's foreign to me. I can be honest and say that's foreign to me because I know what it takes to make sure that I'm okay. And sometimes I don't do it. And God is constantly pulling me, pushing me and just saying, Nisi, come on. I didn't just make you smart so you can help other people. I made you smart so you can help yourself. And that is the place that I'm in. And so the first thing that I wanted to talk about, you know, I, I said is the value of rest. Um, I've been going to therapy. I actually started going to therapy after that weekend. I immediately went on, um, I've talked about it before, therapyforblackgirls.com. I had an old therapist I was working with back in, um, I think at this point it was almost a year ago. Um, and she went on sabbatical. And, you know, I had an amazing relationship with her. I only had four sessions. And just when I was about to get into the deep stuff, 
I, she went on sabbatical. And so after that, I was like, oh, well, everything's fine. And then my fiance and I have been doing couples counseling. We started this past February because we're getting, we wanted to be in couples counseling for a year. And so I was like, oh, couples counseling, I'll be fine. And like I said, everything in my life was going so well and I still was depleted. And that's how I knew I needed to get back into therapy. Um, another thing that I want to encourage you to do is think about the thing, like you can even write it down. What are the things that you do when you're feeling good? Not just to make yourself feel good, when you're feeling good. Like for me, when I'm in a good place, I wake up early. I go to the gym. I spend time with my dog and my cat. I spend time with my friend. I listen to soca music. I write. I listen to gospel music. I listen to um, different podcasts. I love me some podcasts. Like there are things that I typically do when I'm feeling good. And the reason why it's important to understand when you are feeling good is because when you start to feel bad, you can remind yourself, oh my goodness, I haven't done Bible study in a while. Oh my goodness, I haven't gone to church in a while. Oh my goodness, I haven't called my best friend in a while. When I was in college, I, I battled with depression and I would just disappear for weeks on end. And it would take me months to realize, hey, I'm feeling depressed. Now that I'm an, a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more seasoned, I can recognize when I'm in a funk faster. So that Saturday and Sunday, because I actually worked a, a night shift into a day shift. So I was working, I worked a double shift and then I had to come back the next day at 9 a.m. So that was a, I worked a double shift that Friday and then I had to come back that Saturday. I felt low that Saturday night and by Monday I was back in therapy. What typically happened actually was that Wednesday. By Wednesday I was back in therapy. It used to take me weeks to recognize that I was in a funk. And now it's like, Nisi, no, 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 get back into it. The last time you felt really good, what were you doing? Well, I was in therapy. The last time you were feeling good, what were you doing? Well, I was taking my vitamins. The last time you were feeling good, what were you doing? I was more open with my friends and my family about how I was feeling. Remind yourself of what you have to do to get back to feeling like yourself. And if it feels like too much effort, start one thing at a time. Remind yourself of who you are independent of your mental health struggles. Now, I know that that can be easier said than done when you're dealing with something like depression and anxiety, and I know there's individuals who deal things with schizophrenia and bipolar and some of the more serious um, mental health struggles. So I'm not trying to dismiss and be one of those people that's like, well, if you just think positive, then your mental health is gonna go away. What I'm trying to say is, there was a point where I was personifying my anxiety and calling it my anxiety. I am a person who from time to time struggles with anxiety. I am not an anxious person. The anxiety is not mine. Everyone has anxiety. But for me, mine manifests in a specific kind of way. So my job is to understand my anxiety and to deal with it and to manage it and to find a way to cope with it so that it doesn't st you know, stifle me and suffocate me. But I'm not going to say that I'm a per I am anxiety. I am anxious. No, I'm a human being. And from time to time, I struggle with anxiety. And that mental shift is so important to me because in that way, me focusing on health and, and rest is more about nourishing myself. I'm not nourishing the mental health that I'm dealing with. I'm nourishing myself by dealing with my mental health. When I deal with my anxiety, I feel more like myself. I'm not an anxious person. I deal with anxiety. And then by dealing with my anxiety, I have these moments where I'm just myself. And that's the place that I am. I'm managing my health. I'm managing different things. 
Um, and I still struggle with a lot of stuff. I struggle with the fact that I have um, body issues. I have, you know, struggles with, you know, working at this job that's getting harder and harder and my heart is less and less in it. And there's a lot of identity stuff that I'm dealing with. So that brings me to the second thing, the marriage stuff. Now, I don't want to constantly talk about marriage. It's just the thing that just happens to be going on in my life right now. I'm preparing for marriage. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, I have a lot of questions on my blog about being married and how's the wedding planning going and different things like that. So I do talk about it a lot more on my blog because I don't want to just, you know, make this entire blog or this entire podcast about marriage, but it is the thing that's on my spirit. And I'm hoping that by explaining to you what I'm going through, if you ever are blessed with marriage, you can think about this stuff in anticipation because obviously there's 50 different things people who are married now wish they knew before and a lot of the reason why you're able to reflect is because other people are sharing with you their experience and you're able to learn through them instead of just being surprised okay so when it comes to marriage stuff and it has been something i've been struggling with um, and a part of the reason why going to therapy has been so great for me the way that I can explain it is, in my relationship, I never pr pressured my fiance to propose to me. And it was put onto my spirit that the reason why I never pressured him was not just because I was this person that just trusted God and knew it would all work out. A lot of it was because I never really envisioned myself as a wife. I can be honest with you. I know I'm a great person. I know I'm a great companion. Um, my whole vision for myself was that I would, at 30, be an amazing attorney in charge of a, you know, a CEO or a head attorney or a corporate attorney. And when I turned 30, I was going to adopt a kid. I told myself that over and over again. Um, I didn't trust men. I thought they would just say things to get what they wanted. Um, I have not had the best experience of um, men growing up. I dated a couple of guys before my fiance. None of them were special. He's really the first one that I've been just like, ugh. To, this is God right here, okay? Um, and so I had never, I'm not one of those people that knew my wedding colors and all of that stuff ahead of time. And there's this way that when you're planning for weddings, people assume that you're that kind of a woman. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just people put a lot of pressure on me to just know all of the things and it started to make me doubt myself. Um, and I also started to realize that like I had never actually sat down and been like, okay, Nisi, what kind of wife do you want to be? What kind of mother do you want to be? And when I realized that I was in that space, there's a lot of things that come with it. So a lot of things that they don't talk to you about, um, and by they, I mean just anybody, until it happens. That's a part that's really frustrating is a lot of women who are married, they don't talk to you about what they have been through. They then commiserate with you once it's happened to you. So very few women are, you know, ask for marriage advice and it's, you know, marriage, this is the first time in my life that I want unsolicited advice. Like, I'm not going to take marriage advice from someone who's not married, but if you're married, I'd love to just hear your honest take on the thing. But a lot of people just say, you know, you got to communicate and you got to trust God and that's all you need. And it's just like, okay, but if that's all you needed, then why are there so many people getting divorces? Why did you struggle? But no one wants to have that conversation. Maybe because it's too vulnerable. Maybe because there's a preciousness to marriage that you want to preserve. And you think by not sharing your dirty laundry, it'll make things better. Um, if you're interested in like an honest take on um, marriage and stuff, I encourage you to listen to the podcast 30 Minutes with the Perrys. Um, 
If you ever ever heard of Jacqueline Hill Perry, she's a woman who previously was a lesbian, and now she shares her story, her testimony. She's a minister. She's married. She has two daughters. They're adorable. Um, she's married to her husband Preston, and they have a podcast where they talk about real stuff. In the first episode, they talk about porn and how it affects their marriage. And they had recently gone through a situation where she found out her husband was watching porn, and they share very candidly what they're going through. And I find that podcast to be extremely refreshing because so many people don't want to have the real conversations, okay? So in terms of marriage stuff, what has been helpful to me is to really just think about why I want to get married. Why is it something not just to envy and covet, but something that's sacred and precious that I want to prepare for and protect. So, um, and I'm going to share with you because I talked about it on my blog and I'm just going to share with you what I wrote. So I wrote, in therapy last week, I talked about the transition from being single to being a wife and the things that you lose when you take on that title and the fight I've been having to maintain my sense of identity while also losing my independence. The fight I've been having to maintain my sense of identity while also losing my independence. It's a complicated conversation, one that no one, married or not, has had with me yet. I suppose there's, a, there's no way to prepare for it. You just have to deal with it when it comes. But I'm thankful for the space to deal with how I'm feeling about this transition. So I talk about this idea that when you're married, you need to maintain your individuality and your identity, but you need to let go of this idea of independence. And that was something that really is hard because as a woman, it's kind of like assumed that you're just going to let go of your identity and become a wife and a mother. I think in order for you to maintain a healthy relationship and to be sane, you have to never forget who you are. So I'm actively, even in my relationship, like for the next two weeks, um, my fiance is on a cruise with his family. He's actually probably in Russia right now. Um, he went to Amsterdam, he went to Germany, to Finland. I think he's in Russia now and he's going to be there until August 14th, I believe. Um, I've been really taking this time to continue to invest in myself, continue to work out, continue to, to go to um, different events, continue to spend time with friends. Last weekend I was in Chicago. Why? Because even though I miss him like crazy, I have to continue to intentionally preserve my individuality. And I think that's something that nobody talks about. I think they talk about how you have to assume the role of wife and number and mother. Nobody talks to you about how even when you are a wife and mother, you have to maintain your individuality. Don't forget the things that make you laugh. Don't just start being his supporter and his help me and forget that you have to be investing and pouring into yourself, okay? So that's what I said on the blog, and I got a lot of message about independence. You know, I had a person, you know, she messaged me and said, you know, what are the things that the therapist says that you're going to lose when you get married? And that's not what I was saying. I was just saying that for me, as I'm conceptualizing what it means to be getting married, um, I am for myself understanding what I will lose. Because a part of it is you are going to lose something. The Bible tells you when you get married, you cleave. You leave one family and you create another. So there are certain relationships that are going to shift once you do get married. Your priorities are going to shift if you're, you, know, you become married. Your husband is your family, whether you have kids or not. So what are you guys doing to protect and preserve that family? So for me, it's like, you know, I was just sharing those, the struggle of let, letting go of the kind of carefree lifestyle and understanding that my actions completely will affect somebody else and understanding that there's a struggle also because I'm this powerful, intelligent woman, but I'm also dating and will marry a powerful, intelligent man. 
He's active in the church. His parents are pastors. He's a teacher. He's constantly um, helping people, serving people. He has a heart for service just like I do. So what does it look like to support and love a man who also is supporting and loving other people? And also, how do I ask and require support and love for myself? So there is something that you lose. Like when you're dating, you can just live your best life. And yes, you can take into consideration your partner. But once you're married, it's not just nice to consider the other person. It's mandatory. It's necessary. Like last weekend when I went to Chicago, I didn't ask for permission. I didn't. It wasn't a conversation. I let him know that I was going. Once I'm married, once our finances are intertwined, once if we have children, a trip away from me means that a trip, uh, a weekend he has to stay with the kids. It's a conversation. And I don't think there's enough of a reality check of that. And that's why I'm sharing it. Not to say that I have the answer, but this is the kind of stuff that I'm struggling with. So I had a person who asked, like on the post, I, I talked about, you know, maintaining my identity and losing my independence. So um, the person commented that she has a friend who is in the military and that she has been performing the role. I call it performing the role of wife and mother because once they went from dating to her cooking and cleaning and she's been struggling with her own identity. And so she was saying, how do you maintain independence in a marriage? I'm here to tell you, and this is what I responded, there is no independence in marriage. By definition, two become one. Your life and their life are inextricably intertwined. Choices you make will impact your partner and vice versa and your family. That is why I made the distinction between maintaining individuality and independence. Independence is something I have to let go of in order to be married. Me, my personality, my value, my opinions, my standards, my passions, all of that can be maintained in a marriage. But if you want to be independent, in my opinion, you don't want to be married. Okay? So then a person sent me a question and said, that's an interesting take on marriage I had never thought of. But aren't your lives already intertwined as lovers already? Like the choices he makes impacts your relationship already, doesn't it? And so I said, lovers, LOL, that's not a term I'd use to describe my relationship. He was my boyfriend. He's not my fiance. He will be my husband. But I would say no. For me, as a person who isn't married, my choices have an impact on my partner, but I'm not bound to make choices based off of that impact. For example, when we were dating, I went to law school in D.C. when we both lived in New York. I didn't ask his opinion. I didn't check if he was okay. I made my choices, and he loved and supported it. And when it was time for him to go to grad school, he worked two jobs and went to night school. That had an impact on the time we were able to spend together. Did he ask me if I was okay? No. And I loved him, and I supported him through it. This weekend, I went to Chicago to spend time with my friends. He's on vacation with his family. Again, we didn't ask for permission. We just made the plans. If we were married, we would have to work together to make arrangements. When we are married, his money is my money and vice versa. It's our family, our life, our time together. So big choices and small choices will be a discussion. So it's not about whether my choices have an impact on him. Of course it does. But when we are married, the fact that my choices impact him and vice versa means that I can no longer independently make decisions without consulting him. And he can't just make choices without consulting me. Before getting married, if, a, if we made a choice in consideration of the other person, that's a nice thing to do, but not necessary. When we are married, it will be mandatory. Okay? So there is something that you lose. You lose independence. You can't just live your best life. Now, if you find the right partner, you losing independence doesn't mean your life is depleted, right? Because the whole point of marriage is that you sacrifice for something greater. It's like when you think about our relationship to Jesus Christ, you sacrifice certain things in your life for a better relationship with him. 
you sacrifice for something better, something greater, okay? So somebody asked me, how did you know you were ready to give up your independence? And how are you dealing with letting go of it? I'm definitely not ready for marriage for a number of other reasons, but independence is a huge one for me that I do not see myself being able to let go of or go without for a very long time, if at all. And it kind of gives me anxiety just thinking about it, which is a very honest, introspective awareness, right? Because if the idea of losing your independence makes you nervous about marriage, that's 100% an indicator that you're not ready. So she asked me, how did I know that I was ready to lose that independence? Now, granted, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working with being okay with it, but I'm in a much better place of understanding. Because what I said was, I suppose it comes down to understanding that there is something more important than my independence. There is something more important than my independence. I spent a lot of time, a lot of my life feeling like I needed to do everything on my own and that I needed to carry all of my burdens on my shoulders and no one else to come and help me. The older I get, the more I am comfortable being vulnerable and asking for help and being vocal when I need something. But there's a trade-off to that. I cannot ask for someone to be there for me in a way that I'm not there for them. So being independent just isn't valuable to me anymore. I want companionship. I want to build a family. I want to create a legacy. I want to be there for someone and for them to be there for me. Being in love and being loved in a way that makes me feel powerful while also allowing myself to be vulnerable is such a beautiful thing. I love this man with my whole heart. I have never felt more spiritually full and more like myself. And in the past few years we've been together, I have continued to flourish. And having a lifetime of forever with this person is way more important than calling myself independent. The title doesn't mean much if it prevents me from living a life full of love with the man I love more than anything else in the whole world. If you are preparing for marriage, I think that unless you've had this conversation about letting go of your independence, I do not think you're ready for marriage. If you think you can be married and still and not be transformed or changed in a certain kind of way, if you think you're going to get married and you're going to get all of these things and you haven't thought about the things you have to sacrifice, you're not ready for marriage. A lot of times people wonder, how are you ready to move from being boyfriend and girlfriend to being fiance and being married? I think it comes down to this. Are you ready to let go of independence? Are you ready to let go of this idea of doing it on your own? And I'm specifically talking to black women, okay? Because we've had to do it on our own for so long. In order for you to be ready to be married, you have to let go of this idea that you have to do it all on your own, that you'll just figure it out, that your way is the best way. Like one of the things that I love about my fiance is that he is such a big picture person and I'm a detail oriented person. So there's sometimes he's doing something and it could take him 20 minutes and I think I can do it in five minutes. But it's not my job to be like, give me that, I'll do it myself. You know that meme where it says black women, um, colon, F it, I'll do it myself. No, 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 no. You have to allow someone to love you. You have to allow yourself to be helped and you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. So if you've been sitting down thinking about all of the things you get when you get married and you haven't taken time to think about the things that you lose and then when you think about what you lose, you ask yourself, is it worth it? And then if the answer is yes, then you are ready for marriage. 
If you can say, I will sacrifice this, 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 and this, and I have a partner that I love and I trust and I respect, and a person that would never cause me to sacrifice, um, to compromise my my spirituality, my sanity, what what's good for me. So I can trust that when I'm vulnerable with this person, I'm not just raw and exposed, but I'm protected and loved, and that I'm okay letting go of that independence. Then you're ready for marriage. That's how I know that I'm ready for marriage. I'm getting ready because it literally dawned on me that trying to do this on my own is foolish. The Bible tells us to seek wise counsel. The Bible tells us to rest. The Bible tells us you don't have to do it alone. The Bible tells us to cast our burdens on the Lord. What do you think, just so that we can forget about it? Or is it so that we can build a relationship with our God who loves us, who wants to help us? Really, when it's time to think about marriage, it's really time to think about your relationship with God. Because if you have an unhealthy understanding of God's love, you're going to have an unhealthy understanding of what love and marriage is. It's sacrificial, but it's also nourishing. It's not just the what do I get, and it's not just the what do I lose. It's this balance where I get a little, I give a little. And I'm not compromising who I am to get married, but I might make some compromises on the things that I used to be independent for. Now, a lot of it comes down to the good partner that you pick. Because don't find yourself ready for marriage and you're with a partner who's not ready for a godly marriage. Don't find yourself in a situation where you're desperate for marriage and you'll just marry any old Tom, Dick, and Harry. You want to be able to be in a position with a loving partner who is doing the same kind of hard work that you're doing. Even while my fiance is in Russia, he's sending me a text talking about all I can think about is the future that I want to build with us. That every year he goes on a vacation. I usually go with my mom, but my mom also abandoned me. She's in Africa right now. She's currently in Senegal with her girlfriends. So the the past the next two weeks, um, or I'm in the middle of it, but the two weeks I'm really been focusing on myself because I don't have my mom or my fiance around. But he's, you know, he we have that tradition. I go on vacation with my mom in the summer. He goes on vacation with his family. We've talked about combining that tradition so that once a year all of our families go together, whoever's available. And so while he's engaging that tradition, he's thinking about the, the legacy he wants to build with me. That's the kind of stuff that I want to hear. Not just the, you're pretty, you're cute, I love you, what do you want, what can I give you? But what do you want to build with me? And I'm not sharing any of this stuff to brag. I hope you know I'm not trying to brag. I literally told you that I was dark and depressed and had to go to therapy. So if you listen to all of that and think that I'm just telling you that this is how you get married and I'm not actively working on it on myself, then you've completely missed the whole point and you might want to rewind and go back to the beginning. But all I'm trying to say is that that's been the bitter work that I've been doing. The bitter work, I call it bitter work now because it's the stripping away, the stripping away of how other people may have told me marriage is supposed to be and me really just diving into my relationship with God, reassessing my relationship with myself. What am I doing? What are the routines that I haven't been doing that I need to get back into? That if I'm a person who's praying for children and preparing my body for children, have I developed a routine? Am I gonna be able to keep my kids on a routine? Or am I gonna be so stressed and disorganized that I can't even be a good example for them? Am I going to tell them they need to eat right and sleep when I don't do the same? What is the kind of home that I'm going to cultivate? What kind of nurturer am I going to be? What kind of caregiver? What kind of support am I going to be? And in order for me to do all of those things, what am I doing for myself? So, you know, this mini episode is not so mini 
And that's why these things are often some of the most raw episodes that I have because they're not structured and I just allow God to work through me and to tell me the things that he wants me to talk about. I really do you know, want you guys to know that I'm doing a lot of work and I'm ready to share that with you. Please talk back to me, shoot me an email, um, send me an, uh, a message on Instagram because this is the way that we grow. I wanna continue to have those conversations that sometimes I feel like no one else is having with me and I'm happy to have that conversation with you guys. I've thought about everything from, um, you know, having office hours, so being on Skype so that you guys can, you know, give me a call with the things that are on your spirit. Um, I'd be open to do that, but I have to know that you guys are interested in it. So, um, yeah, the before we close out with the podcast, I am going to do a Bible verse that um, I kind of talked about it before. Psalms 55 verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteousness to be moved. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. There's two things that I want to talk to you about. First, I want to talk to you about the word righteous. A lot of times people think that righteous means the perfect saint. That when the Bible says he will never let um, the God, that God will never forsake the righteous. This idea that there's a perfect kind of Christian and that God protects those Christians. Righteous is just referring to people that believe in God, to Christians. Christians are righteous if they seek God and seek his face. So even when you stumble and go into dark places, even when you sin and you sin over and over again, even when you get frustrated with yourself that you haven't changed and you're wondering why it's taking you so long to deal with the same problems over and over again, God is still looking out for you and he still loves you. And then when it says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you, the important thing is that God wants to carry your heavy load. It's a reminder that God acknowledges that being a human being on earth is hard. If you think your life is hard because you're doing it wrong, you're incorrect. Life is hard because life is hard. I've come to this understanding that, um, yeah, I deal with anxiety, but I feel like everyone is anxious. Do you know the world that we live in and, and the, the mass shooters and the violence and the climate change? It's a terrifying world to live in. So I stop beating myself up for those days when I'm feeling anxious or sometimes when I'm so low, I just want to sleep in bed. The point is I don't want to wallow in it. I want to give it to God. But I think that there's this inherent acknowledgement that life is difficult. And my whole goal is to continue to build my relationship with God. I have no desire to come off like I've had it all figured out. I have no desire to come up in here and just talk to you about the party planning for my, uh, for my wedding and that the bridal shower is in December and, and my girl's trip is in October and I already have my dress and I know my colors. All of that is true. But there are times when I'm an absolute freaking mess. And the best thing about my God is that even when I'm a messy mess, he is still there. Cast it on God, not because it's so easy you can throw it away. Cast it on God because God knows it's heavy and he's trying to remind you. There's that saying that God never gives you more than what you can handle. I don't believe that. God gives us more than we can handle, but we can handle it if we do it with him. He will give you times where there's illness and sickness and a, a family member isn't doing well and the job is gone and the times where you're stripped away. Think of Job. But the thing is that you will go through life and you will be okay because you have God. Do not wait until you're in the low moments to seek God. Seek his face now. But God will always sustain you. 
God is always there. He's there with you, seeking you. Don't forget to seek him too. And I'm here with you, struggling, figuring it out, and I'm praying for you. So until the next episode, take care of yourself, beloved.